Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Debbie Potts, it is such a pleasure to reconnect, and we are pretty good at doing this regularly and getting out this great content. Um, I think you have an incredible niche uh, offering or message, and that is, you know, the the speaking for the uh, the athlete that's done the very best they could to be healthy and fit and, and reach goals and and you know uh, train with devotion and not be a, a fat lazy slob on the couch, yeah. but in many ways ending up at the same uh, unfortunate destination as the person who could give a crap about their health, <laughs> and that's that. That's that situation where uh, we're pushing ourselves too hard, we're too driven, too focused, too goal-oriented, and we become our own worst enemy and end up on the familiar destination of burnout. So the more we can talk about this, and I think, you know, I see you as one of the leading experts on the on the scene here because you have lived through that journey yourself, which is vastly more uh, relevant than someone who's studied the stress hormone flows in the chemistry uh, yeah. course and or whatever. I mean, so you have to go out there and kind of go through that experience, just like I did with my uh, career racing at the elite level in triathlons and getting so much pain and frustration and suffering and, and psychological disturbances from trying my hardest and then not winning, in fact, doing worse and then having to go home and recalibrate. <laughs> so off we go into the into the journey and hopefully... Uh, you know, getting the message uh, absorbed by people who uh, who deserve to hear it and might be able to, um, you know, listen and change course rather than having to learn everything the hard way. That's what I tell my kids anyway. Like, yeah. listen, man, I'm telling you something. Yeah, Don't learned. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, you know, we're going to talk about today is how stress impacts the whole you from inside out. And that's why five years ago I created the Holistic Method and talking about that just to excel in sports, but in daily life, we need to focus not just what we eat, but how we eat, not just exercising more. More is better to be super fit, athletic performer and be the best in your age group if you're racing events, but also the sleep and stress impacts everything as we're getting into, but digestion and mobility, movement, you know, the brain health, the gut health and hydration. And then most of all, I think is impacts all of it is happiness and gratitude, playing and being silly and laughing. And I think those are parts that I want to share more on this podcast. And my new Thursday episode, I'm doing real thoughts with Debbie Potts now that life is not a race. It is a journey that we need to work on all these different elements, not just eating as you know, we'll get into too. I want to talk about all these people getting more interest, which is great into eating low carb and getting into ketosis, but all these other factors can have an influence on our ability to burn fat, optimize health and improve performance. And of where I was looking at overall longevity, improve the aging process. Wait, did you come up with that real thoughts with Debbie Potts? That's brilliant. I did. A bike ride. No, a bike ride. A bike How ride? <laughs> about that? The brain is is firing in and, and having breakthroughs out there. And I think that's um, 
That's very common. You know, people solve problems when they're walking, biking, jogging, whatever it is. So I actually, my book, Life is Not a Race, was mostly written in my head <laughs> on my bike rides. I go on, uh, so I like my Tuesday, Thursday bike rides by myself. And I would see a sign, the sign on the side of the road says, slow down. You know, the speed limit sign, that's where I got all these ideas from and generated, you know, images off stock photos you can buy. I'm like, that's what it is. Speed limit, stop, slow down, a speed bump on the road. And I'd stop, pull over and type a note in my phone and go ride. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had these aha moments. But for me, yeah, my bike ride is that, oh my gosh, clarity, focus. You're not interrupted by doing 10 things on my computer, trying to open up Skype today. It's like emails, Outlook, all this stuff is just all over the place. But when you're outside in a happy place where you can think clearly and get rid of those distractions and focus, it's amazing what comes to your mind. Oh my gosh, you've set us up with uh, so many interesting thoughts there. And <laughs> the one that's kind of uh, on my mind lately is all these things you just stated were uh, pretty obvious and the listener can nod their head. It's not like a surprise revelation that gratitude is important and being happy and playful and having fun uh, contribute to a healthy, balanced life. But what I'm seeing is uh, a tremendous amount of head nodding mm -hmm. and then getting sucked into this vortex of modern life where we can't walk our talk. We know it's important to smile and laugh and be happy and have fun and sit down and have quiet, relaxing meals uh, where we chew each bite 20 to 30 <laughs> times instead of two to four times. We know better yeah. in almost every way and every step that we take. We know about the influence of uh, excess artificial light and digital stimulation after dark and how bad that is for our hormones and our uh, our fat burning goals and all these things. So there's some, uh, what would you call it? Like there's some log jam here with these super ass smart modern humans, especially health enthusiasts who are listening to the show. If you're not listening to the show, listen to the damn show and start paying attention <laughs> to this stuff. But our audience, we can make the assumption that uh, people have heard these concepts before, have talked about them, reasoned with them, uh, maybe even tried them out here and there where yeah, I went on a camping trip uh, and we went to sleep every night at nine o'clock and it was great. And I woke up with the sunrise and felt full of energy and did my yoga and everything was locked into place during this departure from everyday life. So I'd love to figure out how we can get past these log jams and do things that make us feel better. We know they make us feel better, but somehow they keep slipping away every single day. And my personal uh, frailty here is that distractibility component when we're engaging with uh, the internet and uh, digital hyperconnectivity all day? Because I'm, as you know, I've been trying to write books as my main, you know, my my main contribution to to the economy, to society is uh, writing books and producing content. I have podcasts, books, uh, digital educational courses, whatever. So you need to be in this peak performance, focused frame of mind. But I have my email inbox that's. Uh, sucking my energy and distracting me every day. And it's really tough. It is. And it's hard to get stuff done. You know, I have all these goals too, and to write a metabolic efficiency free book for my website. And then, you know, talk about chronic stress and life is not a race and all this stuff. But then you end up spending your time that you have allotted two hours, three hours at a time to work. And then you're just responding to emails. <laughs> so it's hard to get that focus, not to multitask and to be doing one thing at a time. But the one thing I want to start with is the philosophy of more 
is better. And I think that's what we've talked before in other episodes about chronic stress, fatigue, burnout for anyone, athletes of all levels, even if you, you know, just go for a walk every day, you're an athlete of some type. But I think, you know, you wrote a book on keto reset and you're writing a new book and I'm finding all these people doing the fasting, intermittent fasting, doing keto, doing, you know, low carb, more is better philosophies for a lot of people that it is, you know, when are you doing something too much? And when do you, when you draw the fine line, then that's a stressor for you in a different way. So have you found with your podcast and writing people getting too obsessed with, um, you know, anything like, you know, the cold thermogenesis or eating keto or fasting too long, that it becomes a source of stress or it's an addiction for people, addictive personalities, or that, you know, they don't know when to stop and have that right, healthy balance. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's, um, this is a slippery. That's not a diet. Yeah. So I forgot to say, that's not a diet or plan, just a lifestyle yeah. habit. No, this is a slippery slope because on the other side of that, <laughs> that, that, that tunnel is the person who can engage in endless rationalizations and justifications for not being focused and devoted and disciplined. So it, it's clear that you, you know, the question you pose is like, yeah, can you overdo it and get orthorexic? That's that term we use a lot, which is an unhealthy fixation on doing things correctly, whether it's diet or whatever else. But it's mostly applied to, you know, orthorexia in the dietary realm where people freak out if they don't have their uh, exact uh, components of, of meals every day. So that's bad news. And those stress heads are pretty easy to identify walking around. But what about that person who uh, is doing keto and it's awesome and it's great, uh, except for tonight because my nephew's birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. And so I, I have some pizza, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm pretty much uh, sort of kind of doing keto and it's pretty much trying to go pretty well. You hear that type of mindset all the time where you give people an inch mm -hmm. and they'll take a mile. And I'm volunteering myself. I'm raising my hand. Bling. I was one of those guys, as we talked about offline. Um, you know, I've been experimenting all over the uh, all over the spectrum here with you know strict keto when we were working on the book, and I was pricking my finger every single day and charting my blood ketones, and everything was tightly regulated in the name of R and D for the book. Uh, and then I went into a different phase, inspired by our friends at Nourish Balance Thrive, Dr. Tommy Wood and Chris Kelly. Uh, suggesting that, hey, if you're an old dude and you're still trying to be a, a freaky athletic, uh, you know, performer, okay, I have high ambitious athletic goals, even though I'm 54 years old. So I'm putting together uh, a lot of to-do list items and then going into this keto thing where I'm not eating that many calories. And the, the, um, the speculation there was like, hey, maybe you should just try to consume more healthy, nutritious calories to help fuel your performance and recovery. So I said, okay, let me try that. And I went crazy <laughs> and started having... One extreme yeah, I mean, to that. I, I love dark chocolate, right? So now instead of like four squares or whatever, I'd have like the entire bar every day. And so that starts to kick into habit forming. And then I would enjoy these evening popcorn binges, uh, just celebrating life and pouring the butter and the lemon infused olive oil on there and the salt and Instead of a treat or a celebration or something that's fun to say we, we did when we went out to the movies and I snuck my own popcorn in because movie popcorn sucks, you know, that was starting to turn into a habit. And I realized just, 
Yeah. No, my, my health wasn't getting destroyed by this. Uh, I probably put on some excess body fat, but I'm not in that category where I'm worried about that stuff. But I realized just overall the uh, diminished discipline because I didn't have a whole bunch of rules and restrictions in place. Um, things start to get away from you. So I was trying to creep back into balance and doing things like at the time of this recording, I'm in a phase where I'm not eating anything until 12 noon because I I don't need to. I like to bank those fasted hours. I'm probably doing good with making ketones and all that stuff, but there's no other reason except for to establish something in my daily routine that has an element of discipline and focus, just like my morning uh, chest freezer cold plunge, which I've talked about on my own podcast a lot and written about. And, you know, you get the hormonal benefits of jumping in cold water and that kind of fun stuff. But I also like to be that guy in the world where I can tell you on the podcast and all the listeners that every single morning I jump into a tub of cold water, 34 to 38 degrees Fahrenheit. I do 20 breath cycles in there. It takes three to four to five minutes. And I feel great because I'm, you know, overcoming the resistance to jumping into cold water and just into a habit formation that arguably or hopefully will carry over into my disciplined use of my email inbox. I'm still trying to leverage that cold tub personality attribute into all the other areas, Uh, even going into, you know, relationships, uh, uh, dealing with uh, your emotions, managing your emotions, things like that, that are important to have a healthy, happy, balanced life. And Man, mm-hmm. when you're like Mr. Big in the workplace and so you're you're the boss guy and you're able to bark at people or, or express your frustrations and everyone scurries back to their desks and works harder for two hours, you know, those kind of personality attributes don't serve you in general life, but we're able to kind of play these things out because uh because we can and that's not necessarily you know, we gotta we gotta turn the corner and have have that perfect balance between motivation, discipline, focus and also being happy and playful and carefree. So Help us, Debbie Potts, help. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, what I hear a lot about and reading these Facebook group pages is I've talked a little bit on my podcast is that these people are trying hard to change what they're eating to burn fat and lose weight. And they hear these success stories from someone else that, you know, I did 20 carbs and a day and lost 100 pounds and I did this and that. And there's these people that struggle to lose weight. And what we're starting to talk about is your in nutritional therapy for starters, we say the main goal is to eat the right amount of macronutrients, carbs, fat, and protein of real nutrient dense whole foods, not processed garbage, garbage, and have your blood sugar balanced. And as you said, you measured your ketones, your blood sugar when you're writing your keto reset book. But I think so many people don't realize that there's other factors that influence balancing your blood sugar. So if you're not getting results and you're eating, you know, you're balancing your carbs and protein, but your blood sugar is still high, you're not burning fat, maybe you're still feel fat and even gaining weight. What are some other triggers that are going to influence our ability to lose weight? And those are things. Uh, chill the F out is a big one. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, we know you're an expert in the stress response and all the research from Hans Selye, the father of modern stress research. Uh, we can make our own blood sugar anytime we want and just, you know, 
get into, anyone can reference, like, say, a time of uh, great personal crisis where you're in the hospital for 11 days straight uh, with a family member, touch and go, or, or whatever's going on where you're going through a painful uh, breakup, separation, uh, traumatic uh, workplace event, and you're kind of running on fumes for, uh, might be three weeks straight or six weeks straight, and you wake up and your hands are shaking, you're not hungry, you're too jittery to even think about a meal, you go for hours and hours and you're just running literally on uh, on fumes, on stress hormones in the bloodstream. And so that's the uh, gluconeogenesis process, the fight or flight uh, mechanism where you're converting uh, lean muscle tissue into glucose to fuel your dietary needs. And I think a lot of people are unfortunately kicking into uh, the gluconeogenesis fight or flight stimulation when they try to go keto because they're not fully prepared to transition over to low-carb lifestyle. They haven't done the proper necessary uh, preparatory work. And so all of a sudden, they cut the carbs out of their diet. Uh, their brain is starving for their usual fuel source. Their muscles are starving for their usual fuel source, that is dietary carbs. And so the body kicks into emergency mode. Because remember, we're trying to survive through you know, human evolution. And when we don't have enough food, and we feel a little bit tired and cranky, unfocused afternoon blues, that is a life-or-death emergency to our uh, human genetic response, right? We, the human does not like to run out of energy when uh, they're getting chased by predator or they're trying to find their next meal. You have to be kicking into alternative mechanisms. And the ketones is so wonderful that we can go and uh, not have to eat carbs and still feel great. But you can't just jump into that magical Alice in Wonderland without departing from carbohydrate dependency, eating habits, and lifestyle patterns. And so that's the big one there. So how do you suggest people transition into burning, eating more low carb if they're coming from a standard American diet, sad diet, eating mostly carbs? What have you found works best for your clients and writing? Well, I think... The first thing to do would be to look at that holistic approach, like Debbie Potts says. So instead of a dietary question where you're getting out your app and you're cutting back your carbs by 20 grams a week for the first three weeks and then do 30 grams. I mean, people actually traffic in that bullshit where they're trying to train the human like a robot to do something and ignore all these other variables. So the first thing we have to do is sit down and say, um, you know, how can I lower the stress level overall in my life so that I can contemplate a uh, lifestyle transformation. Because if you're too stressed, too busy, you don't have enough time to even think about yourself or your health, it's not going to work. So we got to mm -hmm. like kind of look at the, the triage uh, situation here when we come into the emergency room and present as a person who's overstressed, overworked, uh, emotionally unhealthy. All these things should probably be tackled before we, uh, you know, just jump right into a magical diet cleanup. Now, that said, maybe the first step is to cut that shit out of your diet, and then maybe your life will get better overall. Your relationship will get better. Your commute will get better, whatever. So maybe things can happen all at once. 
but I like to uh, focus on the the attitude, making sure you're in the right frame of mind, you're smiling, and you're about to plunge into dietary and lifestyle transformation rather than, oh no, here comes my boot camp, I'm dreading the first of the month because uh, I got to do this crazy, uh, stressful thing. Well, exactly. And I think the stressors are part of what I like to do in the a five-day jumpstart challenge, which I rather do it backwards and do the 30 day challenge finish with a five day jump start, but is working on, okay, let's start working. We're just going to go to sleep. <laughs> I, you know, get ready at nine o'clock or I get ready at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night to get your seven, nine hours of sleep for me is essential for my performance and optimizing my productivity. I have to have my sleep and to be a happy, energetic person. I need to get to bed earlier for my wake up call. I get up around five that sleep is essential and if I could sleep in, you know, I'd wake up at 6.30 is my sleeping in. But I think that and then identifying your stressors, as you're saying, like driving to work or people at work or family life and working on that. But nutritionally, I think so many people, and I wrote this, I realized all this, my life is not a race. I kind of figured this out on my own. And now I realized it's, it's um, metabolic efficiency and teaching your body to burn fat, intermittent fasting and all that stuff we were trained to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, snack, right? So to get people to get off that high carb diet, do you find intermittent fasting a good way to start, you know, a 12 hour overnight fasting work towards 16 hours or cause we're used to waking up and eating that high carb breakfast. And we're thinking we have to get the metabolism going. We got to uh-huh. eat a banana and yogurt and orange juice. Yeah. You sure as heck, uh, should give your digestive system a break for at least 12 hours a day. And that's uh, Dr. Panda's research, and this has now become a prominent uh, health uh, matter for everyone. And if you can't last 12 hours or you're indiscriminately using your digestive system for longer than that, um, that's going to you know, profoundly predict excess body fat accumulation. It's just, um, that, that's what the research with the, uh, the, the mice are showing is just limiting your eating window is going to be your, um, great first step to go, okay, well, if I finish eating at 8 PM, I'm not going to eat anything till 8 AM minimum, and then strive to extend beyond that as a sign of improved metabolic flexibility. But the key that we always talk about with fasting is that we want it to be comfortable and feel natural at all times. So you want to feel uh, like you're functioning at peak cognitive and physical energy levels without food. And if you start to experience uh, decline in energy or uh, brain fog or any of those things or true sensations of hunger, um, go and eat something healthy and nutritious. Don't force it because if you're ill-prepared, you're just going to kick into the fight-or-flight response if you uh, deny yourself food when you really are hungry. Now that's, you asked me sort of like a starting point question, and I just want to jump in here in case the listener's kind of experienced with this stuff and is trying to drop excess body fat and hit a plateau. Once you get metabolically flexible, once you get good at burning fat and not overly reliant upon regular high-carb meals as your main source of energy, then you can kind of... Uh, uh, tiptoe out to the lines and put yourself through uh, a little bit of um, uh, 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 metabolic um, challenge to kickstart body fat. So that's like working through a little bit of hunger sensation that you experience at 11 a.m. and waiting until 12 to have that delicious salad. 
Uh, but I think we, you know, that, that part's kind of underrated and I'm, I'm kind of psyched about this guy, William Schufeld. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's carnivore shredding.com. Oh, he's yeah, got yeah. this really focused plan to get down to 3.7 body fat like him. And you can go look at his body. He's an actor and a model, a young guy. And he's like, he's, he's looking like a lot of people want to look. He says, a lot of people want to look like a six pack. They just don't admit it. They say, I want to be healthy and feel yeah. great. It's like, <laughs> no, man, they want the six pack. And he said that on my show. And I'm like, you know what, dude, you got a point there. Cause a lot of people yeah. are afraid to step up there and say, I want to look freaking awesome, man. Oh, yeah. How do I do it? And the way you do it was, was more focus and intentionality whereby you don't just, uh, please yourself with every indulgence that you're allowed to have now in modern life. Cause we can all go get food anytime, any place. But when you kind of work through with some discipline and say, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. I want to transform my body. You got to get some ass kicking mindset in there. We have to sprinkle that in. So that's the other side of the coin. But I do want to say first, don't suffer. Don't struggle. Don't have this be this negative, uh, horrible thing that you're trying to transform your diet. We want to make sure it's smooth and comfortable. And then as you get better and better and better, we kind of up our game, up our game, up our game a little bit until the point where, oh my gosh, I mean, you know what the Tour de France cyclists do mm -hmm. in the month of June, not all year, but in the month of June, they go on five, six, seven hour training rides in the mountains. They come home and they freaking starve themselves for 60 to 120 minutes. After burning calories for seven hours, they walk in the door and they drink water. Or they huh. drink a freaking caffeine so that they, you know, they don't collapse on the couch. But in that magic time window is when they get down from 6.6% body fat to 5.9% body fat. And they look like skeletons on the starting line of the Tour de France. Knowing that when you go in the mountains and you drop one kilogram of body weight, yeah. that's the difference Different. between you winning the thing or becoming uh, the seventh place uh, award winner. Same with those folks at the Ironman who are trying to go under uh, uh, eight hours now, right? Or the females going under nine hours. Um, this is, you know, the ultimate level of peak performance is to is to shave those edges off. That's not a, relevant to too many people. But if you're listening and you're carrying an extra seven pounds of excess body fat that you've been carrying for a couple years, even though you're training hard and working hard, look, let's get this handled with a little more intentional approach and turning up the dial a little bit on the, uh, you know, the commitment to your goals. Mm -hmm. So I started writing this ebook for metabolic efficiency for the low, becoming the low carb athlete fat burning machine and pulled out my book, the art and science of the low carb performance book by the guys that started all this pretty much, you know, Volick and Finney are were way ahead of us in all this. And I read this years ago, it's 2012, this book, and I've just highlighted it and put all these sticky notes in it because there's so much information in there. But going back to what you're saying, kind of that transition period into becoming metabolically efficient fat burning machine, then you become more metabolically flexible where you can be primarily a fat burner. But when in need, you can switch to that backup fuel plan, the carbohydrate storage, and then shift back to fat. But because of our incorrect teachings and marketing and political nutrition, we are trained to be sugar burners, not fat burners, and that's not natural. So becoming a fat burner because of how we eat and our lifestyle habits, including reducing stress, will teach us how to burn fat. Then when we need to switch to fuel tank to carbohydrates in those emergency situations, we can or to that you know finish line. But 
I'm finding the ability to do that with intermittent fasting is the next kind of area I keep hearing more about is that time restricted eating. We're talking about Dr. Panda. If you haven't read that book, it's amazing circadian code. It's a must read. Did you read that or just, no, I don't read. <laughs> just uh, listen to podcasts. I, I, I just write. I, I can't read if I'm writing in books. <laughs> then you get distracted and then you start reading too much. Oh, yeah. this is going to be great for my book. Oh, so is this. Oh, so is this. Let me read I, some more. So I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of being wise guy, but uh, when I'm working on a book, just in case anyone's curious, like um, I, I have to discipline myself against reading because reading's relaxing and enjoyable and writing's uh, torture. So anyway. <laughs> Maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll read it in my free time when I'm not writing books. Well, he is a great has a book that talks about the time restricted eating, which I still haven't figured out. Intermittent fasting, time restricted eating, isn't it kind of the same? So you're eating in an eight hour window in a five or eight to five hour window. So the rest of the time, your body's fasting, helping digest the food, which I think most people don't do. Is a different topic as well that we don't digest and absorb our food, which leads to all these health problems as well as a chronic stress, but, um, when you are eating, so people that are doing fasting, are they doing good food choice choices? So I know a lot of people are doing 24 hour fast, eat one meal a day. So every 24 hours are having that meal or they're doing the 16, eight eating in that eight hour window. But do you go eat your popcorn and tortilla chips and sit and eat whatever you want? Because I'm going to digest and recover and, and do all that the rest of the time. So it's interesting because even in his research study, Dr. Panda's book says you can eat the same amount, which don't, you know, guys do this, but you can eat whatever you eat in that 16 hours that you used to eat. You can eat in an eight hour window and actually not have the weight gain that you would if you ate that over 16 hours. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't want to live my life by uh, science either. So yeah. whether that's true or not, um, I, I think, now you're opening up the, you know, we're, we're taking baby steps here. So first we're going to be mindful that we don't want our digestive system to work for more than 12 hours outside yeah. that. So that's great. And then it's like, what are you eating? Well, why don't you get rid of the crap as your next step? And to make it really simple for the listener, it's the um, refined grains, sugar, sweetened beverages, and a high polyunsaturated vegetable oil. So those three big offenders, grains, sugars, and bad oils, um, are now believed to represent at least two-thirds of the calories in the modern diet. So two-thirds of our food is complete garbage that's uh, entirely mm -hmm. unfamiliar to our uh, genetic experience and our, you know, out of the hunter-gatherer uh, list of things. But that's where we get most of our calories. So if you can uh, take a step right now, whoever's listening, to say, all right, this stuff is uh, it's toxic. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's steadily killing us. We're sick of the pain and suffering that we're seeing around us in modern life where our family, friends, relatives, and ourselves are you know, succumbing to these horrible diseases that shouldn't exist at all. Type 2 diabetes. Uh, you know Dr. Doug McGuff, Body by Science, and also co-author yep. of Primal Prescription? Uh, he cites data in there with his co-author, Robert Murphy, this is Primal Prescription, that the continued escalation of cases of type 2 diabetes where now we have uh, plenty of drugs and treatment protocols where we can keep these people alive for many, many years. If the rate continues at its current rate, the healthcare costs of caring for long-term type 2 diabetics is very expensive. 
uh, will bankrupt the U.S. Treasury by the year 2060. So our entire (laughs) wealth as a nation, the richest nation on the planet, will be washed out by caring for type 2 diabetics, which is uh, almost entirely caused by dietary habits, right? Type 1 diabetics, uh, genetic Mm -hmm. uh, issues, they don't make insulin. Type 2, they call it type 2 because it comes from diet. And in 30 days of dietary restriction, you can go from category pre-diabetic or category type 2 diabetic into the safe zone just by cutting out uh, all the massive uh, influx of carbs into your face uh, three times a day, five times a day, whatever. So this is an urgent matter if you want to avoid uh, long, painful, suffering uh, demise into into death is to get yourself in the healthy zone with your uh, blood values and uh, your dietary habits. So it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of gave me thoughts too. I wrote down some notes, but the toxins in the food that are people are eating. So I know a lot of people are doing the keto low carb, but there's this thing I kept reading about dirty keto and clean keto. And I'm like, what's, is it one? I, I mean, I disagree that it's beneficial, but then it's like, all right, is it better than eating the garbage crap? So what's your thought on dirty keto? If you don't know, is just eating whatever fat protein sources they are and it can be processed you know ideally we have clean grass-fed meats and organic vegetables and free-range chicken and eggs and all that wild caught fish so dirty keto is eating lots of toxins so what's your take on that with dirty keto and toxic food oh i don't know would you rather get uh bashed in the head with a baseball bat or stabbed in the (laughs) abdomen with a sharp knife it's like um i mean really you know answer answer me that question and then we'll talk about it's it's very humorous i'm glad you brought it up because it's a nice talking point where um you know this is how culture goes, I guess, is uh, people are, I don't know what they're doing, trying to manipulate your thinking. And uh, maybe there's some uh, profit incentive to to tout something like this. You're going to get a lot of people talking about it, reading the articles, but, you know, it doesn't warrant any any further attention except to laugh about it. And then by, by doing so, we can recalibrate and realize that, uh, you know, there's all, all these factions and, and counterpoints and different opinions that make your head spin, especially the deeper you get into it. And when we want to take a few steps back and go, hey, we should eat clean, healthy, natural, wholesome food that comes from uh, the earth or from an animal if you're inclined, but making sure to choose the highest quality. We know how to do that with our uh, sourcing the right animals. You know, I have, a, I have a sponsor on the podcast called Wild Idea Buffalo, and they stout... Ta- uh, uh, communicate some statistics where uh, there's like 40 million cattle are uh, slaughtered every year for our uh, wonderful food supply in America. And uh, these are in these giant feedlots, uh, slaughterhouses where the animals treated poorly and, uh, and full of stress hormones right before their, their life is over. And so the meat reflects that. All hunters know that. Did you know, I didn't know this, but um, a hunter that like was going out deer hunting and, and gets uh, an unclean shot and wounds the deer and the deer still running and trying to, to, trying to get away, they will discard that. They cannot eat that meat because of the stress hormones circulating in the bloodstream of the deer. The meat tastes terrible. 
But all the cattle that are, all 40 million cattle that are getting slaughtered are not having a good time getting crowded into those slaughterhouses. So they're full yeah. of stress hormones. But what they do is they flavor the meat with strong, powerful chemicals. And therefore, <laughs> the meat tastes uh, as, as we're accustomed to. It tastes fine because yeah. it's been chemically flavored. Uh, and the comparison, the buffalo, I think it's uh, 60,000 buffalo a year are harvested. Uh, they're harvested in a humane manner out there on the open range where they spend their entire life. And that's just a, an, a commercial message from a buffalo uh, manufacturer. But it's interesting to note the difference in quality if you're going and getting sort of an off, an off, off, off mass produced item like ground lamb is delicious the ground buffalo the buffalo steaks uh the grass fed steaks the things that you know make a huge difference even eggs if you want to tiptoe into this go to the store and buy some pastured eggs instead of the regular eggs and when you crack it and you see the yolk and it's bright yes. orange and strong Colors. and vibrant and that's the beta carotene from the uh, the chicken's diet where it was out there eating worms and bugs and grass rather than chicken feed and it tastes so much different and so much better. And the same with my, uh, it's called Lone Mountain Wagyu. I get the, uh, uh, the grass-fed ground uh, mm -hmm. Wagyu beef. And if you just cook a hamburger with no flavoring, nothing on it, just cook it and eat it, it's like no other hamburger you've ever tasted because most of our hamburger is so mass-produced and chemically altered that it doesn't have the same flavor intensity. So you start getting into the aspect of healthy eating and choosing healthy foods and enjoying the meal times. I'm not worried about your carb count until way down the line where we say, okay, what about these other insights about uh, getting <laughs> getting down into different zones and uh, kick-starting body fat? But first, we have to take those baby steps. And you know who's great about this is your neighbors there, uh, Nourish Balance Thrive. Dr. Tommy Wood lives just up the road. Mm -hmm. He says, don't even think about dropping excess body fat until you're metabolically healthy. Yeah. Don't even think about a caloric deficit. A caloric deficit is a stressor. It's a wonderful stressor because you're trying to cut down from 20% body fat to 12 and 12 is healthier over the long term and all that. But you can't stress yourself in that manner if you have leaky gut or thyroid dysfunction or adrenal uh, dysfunction. And you know all mm -hmm. about that where you're, you're under stress and then you go stress yourself further with a workout. Oh, it's just an yeah. easy workout. I'm just pedaling an easy 40 on the flats <laughs> today. Oh, you know what? That's a highly stressful event to your body, which is trashed right yeah. now. So the only choice you have is a 30-minute yoga class, not 60 because that's too stressful, or a 30-minute walk at a slow pace, not a medium pace. Everything has to be recalibrated, right? Yeah. But this is why I think it's a personalized nutrition exercise program and health health and wellness that it's not one program fits all. And that's the whole nutrition part, lifestyle. Everyone's life is different. Your genetics are different. I did DNA fit coaching program, and it's just fascinating to put all this information, if you go to 23andMe, and I wrote some blogs about this and podcasts, The Real Thoughts Debbie Pot Show, about how you can upload that raw data and just put everything together and get the lab testing, get where you are at with symptoms and your health concerns, and really work with you as a bio-individual instead of listening to what everyone else in this Facebook group page, was, which that Keto for Beginners group has 985,000 people in the group. And it's amazing to read the stuff, but it'll be like one question or comment and there'll be hundreds of responses to it. And it's amazing. But I think people get caught up that, you know what, I'm not the same as them. My lifestyle is different. My work schedule, my family life, my stress levels, my activity level, my genetics. So I think everyone 
to summarize our talk today is that take baby steps. Everyone's different. We talked about eating clean and just healing yourself from the inside out and working on, you know, a 12 hour fast and build that up. What else did we talk about? Whatever, kind of summarize all of our Man, we got on so many tangents. (laughs) Yeah, you know, be be comfortable uh, with your transition. Make it feel good. Don't go, don't go uh, hungry and cranky on us. Just kind of uh, work at whatever pace feels comfortable, and then you know, up the ante as you get better and better. Yeah, I think identifying your stressors, but not doing something, a new transition, new lifestyle too quickly, that that is another source of stressor, as you're saying, is that switching over from this high-carb, low-carb diet and and fasting too long that you're actually creating a stress response system in your body. But that is so individual, and everyone responds differently. So, you know, it's it's working with a coach or someone that can help guide you through it and, and work with your ups and downs and find out what is the right Goldilocks effect for you to find that homeostasis and get your body to be a fat burning, not sugar burning machine, that lifestyle. But I want to have you back on the show again and talk more about uh, what I'm kind of right about myself and doing research is on the mitochondrial health because, uh, you know, Ari of Energy Blueprint put together some great information and I'm trying to interpret it all and put it together just the importance of mitochondrial and our cell health. Because that's for me personally, the last six months, I started to transform more myself working at a cellular level with supplements and as well as just changing what I'm doing. But I think that's another topic to go into in research is, okay, your energy levels of chronic stressors, but are you depleting the energy level of your cell health and having what he says, like the energy mode versus, um, was it cell defense mode versus energy mode and having that balance and resiliency of the two. And it's a great, it totally makes sense to me as an athlete and someone that, you know, still training a lot and enjoys exercising, but has our chronic stress environment that we have challenging us all the time to focus and stay, you know, doing multitasking. But the powerful mitochondrial is how we want to optimize our health as well. Very well said. Stress response. Well said. So, We'll wrap it up, but anything else do you want to put in your projects and what you're up to this year? Because I know you're really doing a lot with getting over yourself. <laughs> oh, thanks, Debbie. Yeah, go listen to my show. It's really fun, and I broaden the topic out from, you know, I've been talking about diet and athletic training for many years on the Primal Blueprint podcast, and so this Get Over Yourself show, as you can tell by the title, I'm trying to have fun out there. I'm trying to get over myself, talk about a relaxed, healthy, balanced approach to uh, leading a great life. So we talk about uh, health, fitness, diet, exercise, peak performance, happiness, relationships, longevity, and some of the great shows that I get the most feedback on are just how to how to be healthy in your relationships. I talked to John Gray, the best-selling relationship author of all time, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and he had some great tips about making the making the magic work with your, uh, uh, your romantic partner uh, forever and ever, for years and years. And so throwing those overlays into the mechanics of healthy eating and not training too hard, that was my goal is to kind of get get people a, a broad and entertaining approach to to healthy living that doesn't leave anything out same thing you're doing with the holistic athlete it's great great stuff 
Hey everyone, join us for Keto Reset Month. This is a month of free email content, plus amazing offers, giveaways, and a huge grand prize to help you kickstart or recommit to keto. You can go to primalkitchen.com forward slash keto reset. And here's what you'll get when you subscribe. You'll get an incredible offer to buy a Primal Kitchen Advanced Keto Kit and get the Keto Reset Mastery Course for free, which is $147 value, a month of free exclusive email content from Mark Sisson, free keto learning materials such as ebooks, food lists, recipes, meal plans, and more, and additional offers and recipes from Primal Kitchen, Mark's Daily Apple. So go to primalkitchen.com forward slash keto reset and join us.